And so this morning to explain briefly this beautiful moment in history about 2,000 years ago, there was this mystery that came into the light. So you read about this beautiful mystery right through the history of humanity. We go back 6,000 years, more or less, to the beginning of this book. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the crown of his creation was us, human. Right at the end, he made us. Male and female, he created us. God wasn't confused about that. Society at the moment is really confused about that because they are naive about what life really is. Yes, we live in a body. Yes, this is flesh. Yes, we have bone and blood and nerves. But each and every one of us actually is a spirit inside of here. We have a soul. And the soul is the will the thoughts, and the emotions. So it's an operating system almost. And so the soul to me is like a dimension because you can either take rules from the fleshly or you can take rules from the spiritual. Now, if you are spirit, we must recognize that what Satan wants to do is make all of our effort in thoughts and emotions and will towards the fleshly. And then scripture speaks to us. It says, if you fall for that trap, if you fall for the fleshly way of living, you will listen to certain things and you will stress and fear certain things. You will be worried about certain things. You will be excited about certain things. You will lust and crave certain things if you live in accordance to the flesh. And so the whole of scripture speaks towards this moment where God steps in and reconciles everything that went wrong in the Garden of Eden with us, Adam and Eve, choosing the wrong tree, choosing the tree of, I want to know, the tree of knowledge of both good and evil. I want to know. It wasn't enough to just trust Him. We wanted to know. So we ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the gate to Eden was closed because the tree of life was still there. So therefore, the tree of life, Jesus, came onto the scene 2,000 years ago. And it says that if Satan knew what he was going to do, he would never have allowed him to go to the cross. Satan thought he beat God. He thought that that love made God blind. God loved us so much that he gave his own life for us in his son, who became flesh like us, had no sin, then died for us. And Satan thought, I haven't. Love blinded God to the point where now I have them. But he didn't see the mystery. He didn't see the mystery happen. He didn't see the mystery that started in the Garden of Eden when an innocent animal had to be slaughtered to cover the nakedness. Where innocence was, for the first time, the scarlet, thin red line of redemption. Where the lamb in the Old Testament had to be slain for the sins of the nation. 
And so that mystery builds up to 2,000 years ago when the Lamb of Lambs, Jesus, comes onto the scene. Innocent, blameless, not a speck on his life. And he dies. But just before that, he has this conversation with his, with his disciples. And he says, I can understand that you saw me live this perfect life. You know, when you have a person in your life that is a great example, and you're like, I want to be just like that person. Now, Jesus was that one. His disciples saw what he did. He was their best friend. He just understood them. He knew them so well, as if he made them. (laughs) And so, and then he says, I'm going back. Everything's so nice. Like, just they show me how to do that, and I still want to see how you're going to do that. Help me. I want to become like you. It's like, don't worry. Soon you will understand. It's to your benefit that I go back. Because now you only have me as an example to the flesh. But then, when I send myself in spirit to come and live in you, You will not only have flesh to see as I do. You'll know me. Then you'll understand this is how I did it. I am him. The one living in us. When I say this, the deepest into my core wants to burst out in tears. Jesus... Like the exact same spirit in us. Why then? Why, when we look at church and what we're supposed to be, why then? Jesus, for 2,000 years we've had opportunity to live with you. Why then? Do we still see the devastation? Do Why? Do we still see the fear? Why? And he says, gently, kindly, faithfully, patiently, I am busy. I am busy with my plan. He gives us a brand new day every day. Every day. Every single day. You can tell me if you messed up yesterday. You're like, I'm so glad it was yesterday. You have a brand new day. You go like, not to fix it. To repent. Not make it right. He did. He did. Now I'm not saying let's try and push that boundary and see how far we can go. This whole sermon is going to be about change. But sermon title, last time I did a title, and, and the title was, What is Love? And I said to you, I said, everyone that grew up in the 90s, early 2000s was going to hear, What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. And today... Love changes, changes everything. You cannot, you cannot, but you cannot. Love makes the rules. 
listen. So, it, I'm not speaking to secular music. I'm just saying when we do these titles, you cannot but hear the song. Last time, last time, I said, what is love? And I bamboozled you to say it's not the title. The title was not what is love. I'm going to recap quickly on that sermon. A quick recap. We stated the following. We stated that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is pride. That's a statement we made. The opposite of love is not hate. Hate is a pure emotion. Love is not an emotion. So the opposite of love is not hate. It's pride. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. That's the first commandment. The only reason you would choose against it is pride. If you were humble and understood your dependence upon Him, you would choose to love Him with your all. And then He says in the second, that is equally as important as love your neighbor as yourself. You're like, (laughs) you don't know her. You don't know Him. Why? Pride. Why? Because I want to be right. You, you, you don't understand, Lord. I'm hurt here. So, so you tell me to love, but listen, I need the person to change first. And he just goes, no. I died so that you can have life and life in abundance. Trust me. I have him and her. And you. So change. It says love is not an emotion. Love is not a feeling. And love is not something I must do. And then we made the statement, who is love? Was the true title of the last sermon. Who is love? And we said, God is love. God is love. If you want the scripture that speaks to that beautiful book of 1 John. If you go into 1 John chapter 4. Beautiful chapter if you want to read it. Corinthians, you can go into 1 Corinthians 13, beautiful chapter on love as well. It's going to challenge the heck out of you. Especially if you listen to it or read it in flesh. It's going to challenge you. Love is not jealous, love is kind. doesn't have record of the, of the wrong. And so every single time that God says love, and we go, yeah, but, but what, what he did, Lord, what he did, you must remember what he did. And God says, what are you bringing before me? I'm telling you to love him, to love her. Okay, but, but, but what he did, what, what, what he said, you don't know how it hurt me. I'm, 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 I'm hurt. I cannot love because, Lord, you must understand what he said, what she said, what he did, what she did, and how I feel about it. God says, I'm not asking you to feel yourself right. I'm commanding you to love yourself right. You will not experience me if you do not love. I am love. When I say forgive, you forgive. When I say love, you love. You do not bring the other person before me. For I died for the both of you. I am he. I am God. This is why when you read scripture and it says love your enemy. Not just merely your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love your enemy. It says when someone asks you to carry something one kilometer, you carry it too. 
when it says, when someone wants to borrow your jacket, it says, give it. So, Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39, New Living Translation. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Not suggestion. Can you see that? It's not a suggestion. If we, as Christians, want to live in accordance to truth, that's the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then John 13, 34 to 35 says, So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so now what does Satan bring into church? Gossip and strife and backstabbing, insecurity. And then what happens is church is hurt and the world looks at us and goes, if that is church, I don't want anything to do with it. Why? Because we forget that in the process, we must explain to others that he's busy changing me. I'm being changed. When we invite someone to become part of this beautiful congregation, it's not because you pray that whoever does the sermon is going to nail it with the hope that they're going to accept Jesus and we do an altar call afterwards. Evangelism happens outside of those doors. This is the gathering of the saints. This is where we equip and train and speak towards who we are to be. This is us, where we listen to Abba and you go, Yela is most. Ya Papa. Ons is most. Ons is most verlief op tot oor ons toe. You tell us what to do, we, we're there. And so, we're going into love changes everything. Are you guys ready? The recap is done and, and you're with me. Okay, now, forget about the song, Love Changes Everything. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a scripture that we also read the previous time in What is Love? Who is Love? And the scripture we're going to read is 2 Corinthians. Are you with me? Everyone, here we go. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed, and I put in brackets, change into His image. We are constantly being changed into His image. From one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's who we are. Church, His body. Jesus in us. His Spirit in us. So now, what we must see is that we must understand that it is love that is a choice. And if we choose love, we choose to change. Constantly. Some of you might look at the screen and go, hmm, 
I, I don't know. Like, so many times, so many times, we find ourselves in situations where we want others to change for our sake. Or circumstances to change for our sake. So that we can feel better. And when I feel good, because when everything was changed, then I'll know that he loves me. I just want to quickly make sure, is everyone still here? Like just in some way, just like you look too deep. From here you look way too deep. It, it, it's a, this is a pure, it comes from a pure heart. We're going to speak about change now, okay? Because we must go through constant change to become like Jesus. But there's something that I've seen is that we fear change. We are so scared to change. Like one of the main things that I've seen in marriages over the years is when someone comes and sits in front of me as a Christian couple. And I go, so what's the problem? And he says, it's usually like this. Like you, you came to speak with me. Now you want me to lick you. To speak. So what is wrong? She changed. During the years, she changed. She well, praise Jesus. She changed. We're like, well, what do you mean? Like, she's supposed to change. Did, did you change with? Or what do you mean? Like, you're supposed to change. How much more do you look like Jesus now than what you used to be? I'm, I'm here for her. We, we came to you for her. She needs help. She is to submit to me to make me happy. And, and this is exactly where I'm glad that we moved down to Georgia. And I'm no longer in Orkney. Because that's exactly where I just want to slap someone. It's, it's, that's where I'm so glad I'm not close to the mines anymore. God, do it. What the heck? This happiness factor. Just explain to me again. Like, if you say you're a Christian, do you actually spend time in His Word? Do you know what His Word tells you before we get to her? <laughs> Adam? We want to explain that he made you first, Adam. She came second, Adam. He only told her to submit. She has the easy part. I told you to love her as I love the church. And how was that? That even though they were wrong, I died for them. So, Adam, I just want to know. Did we come for her? Or are you willing to hear? For you are the prophet, the priest, and the king of this household, Adam. So how can you expect her to change if you are not the priest? If you are not the prophet? How do you bring the word into this house? How do you love her to that point? 
Tak bia prot piki urala, prot piki ur iafa. Like today, all we say to iafa is los. Ni vieni, ni fandai buamni. That's all we say. That's all we have to say. See, we learn. We learn from this. Near Baba. Near, near, baby. Lord. Lord, near, baby. Nivieni. Nivieni. Lord. Lord, Liffy. Come. Let me take you to life. Let's go and eat of that tree. Bring a fire to the table. Come, Liffy. Nivieni. Come. Ek sal jou lief hee, tot ons doodgaan. I saw a beautiful, beautiful video last night of someone who had a massive breakthrough. He said, my wife and I finally made enough to retire and to never have to work again for the rest of our lives. That is, of course, we have to die by Sunday. <laughs> so, so I have a question. The question is, <laughs> why do we fear change? Why is it? Why is it that we fear change? Why is it that we expect others to change or circumstances to change, but we are not willing to change? If the whole of this word is about how he brings about change in us to be like him. Now, Jesus doesn't stress. Jesus doesn't fear. I've never, ever eavesdropped on a conversation that Abba, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit with Gabriel and Michael and the angels are having as to, ooh, like we never saw this coming, guys. Ooh, what are we going to do? Ooh. Never in your life would you have that. He only has a perfect, beautiful plan that is still in the making. So why is it that we want circumstances or others to change rather than us? What is it? Why do we fear? This is a piece that I found on fear. This is secular. Why do we fear change? We fear change because it means that outcomes are unknown. Our brains are designed to find peace in knowing. When we don't know what will happen, we make up scenarios and in turn create worry. Humans find it hard to move on when something known comes to an end. This is a secular piece. This is a study on humans. What's the solution? To know the one who knows. And to stop worrying. And to stop stressing. And to stop fearing. Because the one who knows all can be known. Like in the beginning. What is your choice? Do you choose me or the tree? Do you want to know for you? Yes, we want to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't want to eat of the tree of life. We, we don't want to know you. We want to know ourselves. We want to understand both good and evil. And then Jesus came and redeemed everything back to himself. And he said, I'll send you 
myself, in spirit, to come and live with you. Gladys, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Zimbabwe is going to change Gladys. And South Africa is not going to become like Zimbabwe. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is him speaking to us, church. He says, do not be like them. You are not earthlings. You are alien to this world. Your thoughts are constantly in heavenly places. Do not fear change. Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, for this reason. That is, because of God's final revelation of His Son, Jesus, and because of Jesus' superiority to the angels, we must pay much closer attention than ever to the things that we have heard, so that we do not in any way drift away from the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It says, if you are weary, come to me. If you are troubled, come to me. I am he. You can know me and I will have you. You do not have any reason to fear. Faith is that answer. How do we love? John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7 speaks about this beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians on love. Love is patient. Love is kind. I want to pause there. I don't want to come into Scripture now. I'll start from the beginning when I read this again. But I just want to pause there. And I want to remind us of who He is. What will our lives look like, look like on display to the world when we obey his commandments and do as he says? What will it look like? What will the world see from us when we drive around in town, when we see one another, when we do life? What will it look like? I'm going to explain to you what it will look like. It is a fruit summarized as nine parts, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's what it will look like. When someone slaps you, other cheek. When someone insults you, love. When someone does you wrong, forgive. Change is part of what we do as church. Because to become like him, to be transformed into his likeness, who does not want to look like that? Have you ever seen a person that when you insult, looks at you and smiles? And there's this peace. You're like, you're a term, 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 you're a term
Why? Why, Why does the person irritate you even more? Because I want to be like you. When I see someone like you, oh, because I know that I know that I know in my heart that I'm wrong. See, this is, this is why it's important that when we do this Christian thing, we stop trying to do it. And we give in to the change that He develops through His Holy Spirit in us. And that starts with conscience. Because you know that you know that you know that you know that you cannot tell God that He didn't tell you. <laughs> you know. So the only reason why you wouldn't do what he asks of you, the only reason is you don't know him well enough. That's all. And that's easy to fix. How do you fix that? Get to know him. Spend time with him. Spend time in his word. Seek. You will find. I want to almost guarantee you won't find him on Instagram on YouTube, there are certain things that might, you know, in snippets, get you there. But, there's something that I have found, personally, that if I dig into this, and I read one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other books of the 66 in here, they constantly change. I don't know how. I do not know how, but they change. When I got a phone call from a lawyer that told me that I owe, and I have a contractual agreement on paper that I do not, and I say to the lawyer, this conversation started a bit wrong. I'm a Christian. I was trying to convince her to be nicer. I was trying to help her understand we don't have to fight. You know, this started off wrong. We don't have to speak to each other this way. I'm a Christian, so we can have a good conversation. And what happened was, she went, Ah, you're a Christian. I went, Ah, put my foot in it. Now everything stinks. So I was trying to help her understand, relax, we don't have to yell at each other, you don't have to be nasty, you don't have to curse, you don't have to cuss, it's okay, it's okay. Listen, all I'm trying to say to you is, there's an agreement that you are not aware of. Your client did not tell you, I have an agreement. She was too angry to listen. So then what do you do? You go like, well, Jesus, like you made thunder, please just sort it out. <laughs> I'm like, what do you do? What do you do? So I go like, Jesus, here I am. Listen, I'm really angry. I am seriously upset. This woman just put down the phone in my ear. I am angry. Like, what is wrong here, Jesus? What are you busy with? And he says, I'm busy with you. Nia, it's not what I started praying. I started praying for her. So when they blessed her. I'm, mm -mm. Jesus, 
I'm going to try this again. You sound like her now. This is like, like she didn't want to reason, and, and it sounds like you don't want to reason. I'm, I'm trying to explain my circumstances that you need to change so that I can be happy again. And so Jesus went, I'm busy with you. I don't want you to be busy with me. I have enough that you're busy with. Like, and he says, exactly. I'm helping you get over yourself. I'm like, okay. I am willing to look into the mirror now. I will open your word and I will seek the answer. Because, Lord, you know what? I have all right to take this into court, to fight them and say that it's wrong. Your word says, Morse, that you love righteousness. Nee. See, that's why Morse must become an English word as well. We must pull it through to English. Your word says, Morse, that. And so he says, open my word and seek. You will find what I'm busy with. So I open the word. This is 1 Corinthians. I open the word to 1 Corinthians. I'm like, uh, yeah, here we go. It's going to be all about love. Love is not jealous or boasts or proud. It's not rude. Well, she must like hear this. It does not demand its own way. So I didn't read this. I went into 1 Corinthians. I started seeking. And I'm not sure, as I told you, this changes. This changes. Because I opened this word that day and I started reading and it says, The mere fact that you go into court is already proof that you've forgotten about my kingdom. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? I'm like, what the heck is this? What? When did you write this in Jesus? When did this scripture appear? I have read 1 Corinthians so many times. When did you write that in? I opened another Bible, another translation. Vrachis. It's there. The mere fact that you go into law suitcase means that you've already forgotten about the kingdom of God. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? I'm like, ain't no pain. So, so, so now we, we're not speaking about her now. We're speaking about me now. He says, trust me, I have you. I want to show you something. Forgive. Picked up the phone. I phoned her back. So I don't want to speak to you unless you tell me when you're going to pay. I'm like, listen, we hit this off wrong. You're right. I'm sorry. I'll pay by Friday. Debieta. Then I went into 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. And I say, Jesus, I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to pay. But I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I will have another testimony of your faithfulness and your goodness. If you tell me to do something, Lord, 
you will not back on your word. Your word will not return void. And that money was paid into my account the very next day. And I paid it by Thursday morning. It cleared on their side by Thursday morning. One full day in advance. I spoke a blessing over her. And I praised the Lord Jesus Christ for the fact that he knew exactly what he wanted from that moment. But there's one thing I do know. He wanted me to change. I was not dependent on the outcome. When I spend time with the word, he changes me. So Abba Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you for the amazing, beautiful privilege that we have 